Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Build up in your house. While you're laughing, I'm assuming everybody has an issue with that. My, my worst place for it may, may be in, um, in, in our bedroom, there's a dresser. And on one end of it, I've got a place where I kind of want to keep my wallet and my keys and things like that. But for some reason, there's this recurring problem that after several weeks or months, it gets to the point I can't see my wallet and my keys over there. I'm convinced there's some demon that slips in at night and just lays stuff over there and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, gets all this clutter in, in place. You ever let clutter build up in your car? I mean, over a period of time, a couple of years, you're stuffing stuff here and there. And, and, uh, and then when it comes time for me to trade it, it takes me like a, a week to clean it out. Uh, you know, uh, and, and I think I've got to clean out to get to the dealership and I start looking under the seats and, and everywhere and it takes me forever to get all the, all the junk out of it. So evidently by you laughing like that, you've been there and you understand that. What about when you let emotional clutter build up in your life? What about when you've got these past hurts and situations that's taken place in your life, you've not dealt with it correctly and you're still letting it pile up. Even though I can be guilty of clutter from time to time, uh, I'm a clutter angel from heaven in comparison with some people. I promise you I am. I've been in some houses over the time that I've been in the ministry. Now let me, let me diffuse your nervousness. I'm not talking about your home, okay? But I have been in some homes over the years to where I had to go for a visit and uh, I, I go in and the person sitting on the other side of the room and there's stuff knee high to waist high piled everywhere in, in the living room. And, and there's a little pathway. Uh, I see somebody in law enforcement shaking their head. They've had to go in some homes like that too. Uh, and, uh, and there's a little pathway you have to go through to work your way on this path to get back to where the person is. So while I might let a little bit of clutter build up, I'm, I'm kindly like an angel compared to some people. And I'm afraid we allow that to happen in our lives. We let the emotional clutter build up, pile up to where it affects us emotionally. It affects our hope. It affects the, the way we feel about our, our life. It even affects our, our, our future, it seems like. Uh, it affects our spiritual growth. And, and we're hindered because we've got so much piles of emotional junk we've allowed to build up in our lives. We're hindered on the spiritual path that God would like for us to take because we blocked it by so much emotional junk we've allowed to build up. And when we allow that to happen, there's this thing the Bible refers to as, as roots of bitterness. A few weeks ago, I decided with all the rain we've had, weeds were really growing up a lot at the house, and I decided I need to go buy some, some weed killer and uh, spray it around. I, I bought the type that would not happen in two or three hours because they said the type I bought lasted longer, but I sprayed it, and I'm skeptical. I'm watching for four or five days, and finally it starts turning brown. 
But then there's some poison and other poison ivy, and I had to give additional applications of that. And then there's some mimosa trees in our development, and, and those little seeds grow up everywhere. They'll grow up in the concrete and everything else. And I sprayed them, and it doesn't look like it affected them at all. I think they survived the ice age. I think we could do mimosa trees, and they still grow up. But you see, we let things grow up in our lives. Weeds grow up in our lives, too, that, that we shouldn't. In the book of Hebrews, there's a uh, verse that we used last week as our send-off verse, kind of uh, in this series that we started. And it says this, Hebrews 12, verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Now, let me freeze that just for a minute. Because last week we were talking about God's grace in terms of salvation. And how we need to be sure we don't miss the grace of God. Because that's our only hope. You and I cannot be good enough. You and I don't deserve heaven. It's only by His grace that we can be forgiven. It's only by His grace that His Son died on the cross for our sins. It's only by His grace that we can be forgiven. But you see, grace also, while it does deal with the great salvation that God offers us, the same grace of God that forgives us can also be the same grace of God that helps us forgive others. The same grace of God that forgives us can help us get beyond all of our hurts and emotional pain that we've allowed to pile up in our lives. So see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. That's what happens when we're carrying junk in our lives, when we're carrying unforgiveness in our lives, when we experience God's grace, but we refuse to extend that same grace to other people, then we go around carrying the emotional pain and the accusations and the hurt that people have imposed upon us. And that root of bitterness will spring up and cause trouble in our lives and even make us as believers look like we're defiled before God because we're not even acting like we know Him because we've allowed all the emotional junk to build up in our lives. And we're not dealing with it in the correct way. In order to emotionally declutter our lives, we need to kind of do what I had to do with the weed killer. It took additional applications to kill some of those weeds. And for us to declutter our lives emotionally, it's going to take additional application of God's grace. Again and again and again for us to deal correctly with the hurts and the pains that we have in our lives. We, we need to learn that we can receive freedom from our past wounds when we choose to forgive. So today we're talking about God's grace is greater than our hurts. Originally, I was going to give you three steps to where we can allow God's grace to be greater than our hurts. And God changed that. Matter of fact, he changed it this morning. And today I'm going to give you the first point, and then we'll do part two next week and look at, at two additional points. But today we're just going to look at the first point, the first step, that, that can help us declutter our lives emotionally. That can help us rip up those roots of bitterness to where it's not causing the trouble in our lives that regrettably we allow it to cause a, a lot of times. Here's the first step. Because of God's grace toward us, because you and I, if you know Christ as your Savior, because we have experienced the grace of God, we must, as believers, learn to surrender our anger and our bitterness to God. Don't carry it around and nurse it. Don't keep feeding it like it's a pet. You and I need to learn to surrender that bitterness to God. We're going to 
do a Bible study this morning on a part of Stephen's life. But before we do, I need to give you the background to it. But I want to remind you up front of this. God's grace, to fully be God's grace, has to go both ways. It's not just grace we receive, it's grace that we extend toward other people. Even when they hurt us. Even when we're feeling pain and carrying around emotional junk in our lives. The background to the verses that we're going to pick up on and read in just a moment. Stephen had, was out serving God. He was doing amazing things for God. The Bible even said he was doing many mighty works. So you'd think, man, everybody's happy that Stephen's serving Jesus and he's doing mighty works. But the opposite was exactly true because there's a group of people that didn't like what Stephen was doing. And they started telling lies about him and started spreading rumors. So eventually they more or less kind of had him arrested and they bring him before a religious council. You see, I'm doing this religious council because they didn't act too religious. They bring him before a religious council and, and then those people have been telling lies show up as though they're giving testimony against Stephen. And now they're telling lies against Stephen publicly there. So it comes to a point that Stephen is allowed to speak. And what Stephen does, as though he hadn't made him mad enough already, what Stephen does is more or less recite the whole history of how rebellious the Jewish people had been all through their history. And he starts out talking about how they were rebellious against Moses and rebellious against the prophets and how their forefathers had even killed the prophets. And then Stephen kind of wraps this up, trying to make buddies of all the people that didn't like him anyway. And he said, by the way, you've done the same thing. You killed the righteous one from God. They had killed Jesus. So Stephen has kind of thrown this in their face. And this is where we pick up at. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, this isn't what the message is about, but it is an interesting phrase that they say Stephen fell asleep. And here's why. That's all that happens to someone that's a child of God. The Bible says it's appointed unto man to die once. The Apostle Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ and yet I live. If you ever read in the newspaper that Lynn Parsons died, don't believe it. I fell asleep and I went to be with Jesus. I died when I received Christ as my Savior. But, but there's some important lessons, some applications that we need to make to our own lives in the story of Stephen that can help us deal with our hurt, help us deal with our pain, help us quit carrying the junk piled up in our lives that causes the bitterness. So we're going to learn some, some lessons about that. 
The first main lesson is simply this. I want you to notice where anger and rage can lead. Because whether you recognize it or not, anger and rage can lead you somewhere. It will lead you sometimes to places that you didn't realize, that you didn't intend. And there's some personal effects of anger and rage that affect us in ways that we don't even imagine a lot of times. Look at the personal effects of rage that was taking place with these people that were so angry at Stephen. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. And they're, they're so mad that they're, that they're just gritting their teeth. Be honest. You ever been that mad before? I'll raise both hands, huh? Or you're just so angry. You're just, you're just gritting your, your teeth over. That's, that, that's where they were. That's how emotionally upset they were. And as I studied the message this week, I thought, hmm, I'm going to look online and see what it says happens to us physically when we get that emotionally upset. I was in the process of doing that and working on the sermon at home on my laptop. And Mickey kind of come walking by and looking over my shoulder a little bit as she's walking by. And I said, by the way, you can't come to church today. And uh, she's here. I was just joking with her. Because I said, I'm going to be talking about anger. And if I, if I let you come to church, you will go on and get up and give a testimony about, about your husband. <laughs> Dr. Chris Aiken, he's an instructor in clinical psychiatry at Wake Forest University School of Medicine in Winston-Salem. He's also director of the Mood Treatment Center in Winston-Salem. Maybe I need to go there sometime. Uh, and, and he shares this information about uncontrolled anger and rage. First of all, angry outbursts put your heart at a greater risk. They said in the first two hours after you have an angry outburst, you're twice as likely to have a heart attack as you were before you had the angry outburst. Repressed anger in your life also increases the chances of heart disease. In other words, he's not saying to stuff it in. He's not saying to act like it's not there because here's the problem. When we stuff it in, it does pile up. When we stuff it in, you do get the roots of bitterness that we're talking about this morning. So he's not saying stuff it in. Instead, he's saying you need to deal with it in a constructive way to where instead of having an angry outburst, you sit down, whoever it is that's made you mad, and you talk to them in a calm, constructive way and try and, try and settle the issue. Number three, he said... Anger increases your stroke risk. He said after an angry outburst, you're three times as likely to have a stroke in the first hour as you would have been before you had the outburst. I think I have heard my darling wife say, you're going to have a stroke (laughs) before. And something I never heard of before, but I kind of figured out when you're that angry, it's affecting your heart, it's affecting, you know, the possibility of having a stroke, your blood pressure and everything like that. But it actually weakens your immune system. Because they found out with people that are normally healthy, after they've had an angry outburst for the next six hours, there's this element in, in, in our system that normally helps produce our our immune system and keep it up to defend us at a healthy level and it diminishes greatly for the first six hours after we've had an outburst the way we're even open to 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 more health issues in addition to what he said i was also doing some research at, at another website and here's some other things that it said anger can do to us physically 
Anger problems can make your anxiety worse. Now, to me, that's kind of logical when you think about it, because whatever you're anxious about and you're mad about, you're thinking about it all the more, aren't you? You know, and that's making your, your, your anxiety worse about those things because you're processing it in your mind back and forth. Anger is also linked to depression. And to me, that makes sense because the more you're thinking about what you're angry about, the more you can be depressed about whatever the situation is. And they gave the number one piece of advice, which I think is great, if I could just remember in practicing. The number one piece of advice for someone struggling with depression mixed with anger is to do this. To get busy and stop thinking so much. Now think how practical that is. If all you're doing is depressed and you're angry and you're upset and you're carrying hurt feelings about what someone's done to you. And if all you're doing is sitting around thinking about it, that's all you're getting done, right? You're thinking about it. That's simply making the depression worse. If you'll get up and do something instead of sit around and think about it, and I would suggest maybe go do something for Jesus, go do something for other people. But if you get up and do something, that will minimize the depression and the anger you're having because your mind's busy doing something else instead of thinking about how you've been hurt over here. And he also said, quit thinking so much. <laughs> quit sitting around and thinking so much about how you've been hurt, why you're angry, and so forth. He said hostility can hurt your lungs. They did a study um, by a group of Harvard University scientists that studied 670 men over eight years with hostility scales, uh, where they were scoring that in a method to measure anger levels. And they assessed huge changes in the men's lung functions. The men with the highest hostility ratings had significantly worse Lung capacity. And we've already kind of talked about number four. Anger can shorten your life. But not just because you have a heart attack or a stroke. Dr. Stephen Stanford, the chief of surgery at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, said this. Refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. Of all cancer patients, 61% have forgiveness issues. So that's just some physical warnings for us. We need to recognize that bitterness and angerness will take us places. It'll take us places we don't need to go physically. But when we are carrying that unresolved, undealt with anger in our lives, it can also lead to places we don't want to go criminally. Not just have personal, physical effects from anger and rage, but the criminal effects. Look what happened. But they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears and they were, and they rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. Where did their anger lead? Their anger led to this point. They were so upset with Stephen. They so disliked what Stephen was doing that they got to the point they didn't want to hear anything else he was saying. So they stopped their ears up and they did exactly the opposite of what they should have done. Because Stephen was telling them the truth. Stephen was telling them things they needed to hear. Stephen was letting them know how their forefathers had been so rebellious and killed the prophets. And how they had been rebellious and killed Jesus. They should have listened to what he was saying and repented. But instead of listening, they just stopped up their ears and said, I don't like what you're saying. I don't want to hear that. That problem is rampant in our culture today. Watch the news. 
whenever there's some riots on college campuses and things like that. A lot of the times it's taking place because they brought in some speaker that they disagree with and they don't want to hear. So we're going to shut our ears up. We don't want to hear a thing he has to say. And we're going to go on a ride instead. Used to in college, and you guys have heard me allude to this before, so you can tell it kind of sticks in my craw a little bit and, and everything. Used to, when you went to college, they wanted to expand your thinking process. Now they want to make it a safe zone where you're not challenged with anything that you don't like to hear. There's a new phrase that they've coined for that, snowflakes. And, and we have a, a cultural snowflakes that, that don't want to hear things that they, that they dislike. And that was what was taking place with this crowd. They didn't want to hear what Stephen was saying. They stopped up their ears. They rushed at him. They carried him out of the city and they stoned him. So it led them to a very dark place, to a criminal activity in their lives. And we need to take a warning from that. Because when we're really, really angry and we're carrying bitterness around about how someone has treated us, if we're not careful, it can lead us to take actions that we'll regret for the rest of our days. To where we do something we, we absolutely shouldn't have done. Secondly, I want you to notice what our focus should be. We talked about where that pent-up anger in your life can take you. Bitterness in your life. But I want you to notice what our focus should be. Especially during times of being hurt by others. The Bible said they're talking about Stephen. But he full of the Holy Spirit. Gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Will you notice where Stephen's focus was? His focus wasn't on the crowd that was mad at him. His focus wasn't on these that had brought him in, had him arrested, and told lies about him. His focus isn't even on the crowd that's about to stone him. Stephen knew what was about to take place. He grew up in that culture. He understood when they drug him out of the city what they had plans to do. But that wasn't where his focus was at. Instead, his focus was on the Lord. Instead, his focus was on Jesus. And if you and I can somehow train our minds when we're being mistreated by others and we're discouraged and we're having problems in our life based upon this anger and bitterness that we're carrying around, if we can train ourselves not to look at the situation, not to look at the hurt, not to look at the pain, not to look at the people that are hurting us, instead we need to change our focus and look at Jesus, it'll help us manage our anger a whole lot better if we'll just train ourselves to do that. He said he looked above and he saw the glory of God. He's not focused on his persecutors. He's looking at a higher plane, at a higher level. And when he looks up, he sees this. He sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, most of you know the Bible talks about Jesus after he died on the cross for our sins. He ascended and he sat down at the right hand of God. We looked at it last week in Hebrews because I told you where it talks about Jesus sitting down means this. It means that he has once and for all paid the penalty for our sins. There's no need for him to ever go to the cross again. That's why he sat down. But some people get in their mind the picture of Jesus just sitting by the throne. Here, this gives us another picture of Jesus. It gives us a picture of Jesus standing up 
for Stephen. Maybe there's a lesson there for us. If we'll stand for Jesus in this world, Jesus will stand for us in heaven. And even if it costs you your life standing for Jesus in this world, He's there standing in heaven waiting to receive you to Himself. Don't be focused on what people have done to you or what people are doing to you. We need to train ourselves to do something differently. Matter of fact, let me just break that down a little bit different. I want to show you three things right there that happened in that text that we need to learn to do also to help us deal with our emotional hurt. Number one, we need to look above the trouble and above the hurt. Look above the trouble and above the hurt. If you keep looking at the trouble and you keep looking at the hurt and you keep looking at the people that hurt me, you're going to stay mad, you're going to stay angry, and you're going to stay bitter. You need to learn to look above that instead of continue to stare at it. Number two, we need to stay focused upon Jesus. When we're facing difficulties in our lives, even when people are hurting us, when people have talked about us, Stephen was getting ready to be stoned and he's staying focused upon, upon Jesus. To, to me, maybe apply it like this. It's almost like in Stephen's mind, I'm ignoring what everybody else has done, what everybody else is saying. I'm ignoring all that. But it's okay because I can see Jesus. That ought to be the way we train ourselves to deal with pain and hurts in our lives. When, when we've got some individuals or an individual that, that's hurting us, that's causing us pain and, and difficulty in our lives, instead of just staring and processing and worrying about it and getting angry and having bitterness in your life, instead of thinking about that, start teaching yourself to think like this. Well, that's taking place, but hey, it's okay. I can see Jesus. Whatever's going on in your life, it can be okay if you'll just see Jesus. If you'll just stay focused upon him instead of the junk that you're facing in your life. That seemed to be what Stephen was doing. And there's a third thing that it appears to me that Stephen kind of did. Maybe unintentionally he was doing it. But he said, behold, I see the glory of God and I see Jesus standing there by the throne. He didn't just think it to himself. He didn't say, well, all right, they're about to kill me. And hmm, that's Jesus standing up there. He, he said it where others heard it. He said it where the crowd that was about to stone him heard it. He said, behold, I see the glory of God. And I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And if you and I can just teach ourselves to occupy our lives in better ways. You, you and I have a higher purpose than just being angry. We've got a higher purpose than just being upset at people and angry at people. What we ought to do in the midst of whatever we're facing is still tell people about Jesus. If you'll be telling people about Jesus, instead of sitting around worrying about your hurt and your pain, you'd think less about your hurt and your pain because you're busy doing something constructive that God's called you to do as a Christian anyway. And that's to tell others about him. We should also notice how we should respond. How we should respond when others hurt us. I want you to look at the response of Stephen. And this blows me away. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said that, he fell asleep. Will you 
read that first part for yourself just for a second. And as, as, let that sink in for a minute. As they were stoning Jesus, that means this, in the moment that the stones were hitting his body, in the moment that he was seeing the anger in the faces of the people there in the crowd, in the moment that he's feeling the pain and those stones are pelting his body, in that same moment, he did two very significant things that we need to remember to do that will help us deal with our hurts and things also. The first one is simply this. Call out to Jesus. Call out to Jesus. What we tend to do when someone has hurt us and offended us, we want to get on the horn and on the grapevine and call everybody we know and tell them how somebody has hurt us. Yeah, we want to hold on to it. We want to think about it and, and, and keep doing like I said earlier. It's kind of like a pet you love that you're, that you're feeding it. Oh, I love feeling this way. I like the anger that I have. I like the bitterness that I have. I'm going to keep feeding this little pet that I'm carrying around in my life. I'm going to keep watering this root of bitterness. I want it to grow up really big in my life. That that's, tends to be what we, what we do. And instead of doing that, we need to learn to do this. We need to imitate what we see in Stephen's life here. And we need to call out to Jesus. And that will change our focus. It will change the way we respond. You see, in the moment that someone's hurt you, if your first response is to call out to Jesus, it makes it a little bit harder for you to retaliate if you're calling out to Jesus. It makes it a little bit harder for you to carry that anger and bitterness around if as soon as someone hurts you, you're not letting it build up in your lives and pile up in your lives. Instead, you're calling out to Jesus. The second thing he did that we need to emulate, that we need to imitate ourselves, is this. He forgives those who are hurting him. Man, does not that blow your mind just a little bit? He is being stoned to death. And he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Wonder where he might have heard that at. Because Jesus on the cross, after they had arrested him and they had abused him, they put him through that mock trial, beat him with that cat of nine tails, Put a cross on his shoulder, made him carry it as far as he could until he dropped it, made somebody else carry it for him, took him up to Golgotha, nailed him to the cross. They're making faces at him, making fun and everything else as he's up on the cross, the religious crowd was. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. If that can somehow be our instant response. When people hurt us, instead of us allowing it to build up in our lives and carry it around in our lives, that somehow we can let that be our response, as Stephen's response was, that we will forgive them. I think the reason we push back against that a lot of times when someone's hurt us and we don't want to forgive in the back of our minds, we're telling ourselves, if I forgive that person, it's like I'm saying, hey, it's okay. It's like you're setting them free as though they've not really done anything wrong to you. 
But you see, I don't think that's what forgiveness is totally about. Matter of fact, I think probably 99.9% of forgiveness is this. It's not you setting the other person free. It's you setting yourself free. It's you turning loose of whatever it is they've done. So you don't carry it around and let it pile up in your life and hinder your spiritual life. So you don't let it grow up as a, not just roots of bitterness, but as a tree of, of bitterness in your life. So, so you don't let all the clutter, emotional clutter, build up in, in your life. If you'll forgive them and turn loose of it and, and quit carrying it around. I want to close with a really, really important thought. And man, I wish I had done a better job with this all the days of my life. We never know who might be watching or listening. And how our Christ-like or unchrist-like actions may affect others. The Bible said there in verse 58, the second part of verse 58, in the witnesses, those that had filed the false claims, those that were about to stone Stephen, and the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. You remember who Saul becomes? The Apostle Paul. And we're not told in the Bible that the way Stephen responded and the way Stephen spoke, we're not told that that affected Paul in some way. That's not what led Paul to faith in Jesus. What led Paul to faith in Jesus was on the road to Damascus as he was taking Christians to be persecuted. He had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. That's what changed him. The one that he knew was supposed to be dead shows up on the scene. And more or less says, Saul, why in the world are you doing this? And Saul comes to faith in Jesus and he becomes the apostle Paul. So that's what changed Paul's life. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit of God included this verse in the scriptures. And I'll believe until Jesus tells me otherwise, that from the day that this happened... From that day on, somehow Saul, who became Paul, could never, ever quite get it out of his mind the way he saw Stephen die. The way that Stephen forgave his persecutors and those that murdered him. Somehow I think that stuck in his mind. And our lesson is this for ourselves. Before you and I have that outburst. Before you and I carry around unforgiveness. Before you and I allow roots of bitterness to build up in our lives. And allow our lives to be so emotionally cluttered with with anger. Before we have the outburst for all that, we need to stop and, and remind ourselves. Hey, I better be careful. Just maybe there's a Saul listening. Just maybe there's someone over here that God's going to use in a major way. And the way I respond and the way I act right now can either appear like Christ or not appear like Christ and affect him in a positive way or a negative way. We need to think about that before we respond.
that there might just be a future Apostle Paul watching and listening to what we say. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus looked at his persecutors and looked them in the eye and say, I forgive you. The Bible said Jesus said, Father, forgive them. He's talking to the Father. They don't know what they're doing. The Bible doesn't say Stephen looked these people in the eye that was stoning him and say, I forgive you. The, the Bible says that he called out to the Lord and he said, Lord, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. The reason I point that out is this. Because since I've told you we're not done with this thought and we're going to finish it next week, you're probably already thinking, I don't know if I want to come because he's probably going to tell me next week, I need to go tell people I'm sorry. Or I need to go tell people I forgive you. And that's a hard thing to do. I know I've had to do it. (laughs) So maybe start out on this level first. Work on it this week. You may not be ready to look someone in the eye and say, I forgive you. But start practicing all this week by saying, Father, forgive them. By saying, Lord Jesus, forgive them. And you know what? If you'll do that enough, God will get you to the point that you can go look him in the face and say, I forgive you. Or I'm sorry. Let's pray. Father, I want to, God, I just want to ask you personally to begin with this for myself. Again, for forgiveness for the times that I've let anger or bitterness build up in my life. Lord, I still discover things that you full well know that I've carried with me since I was a child from my dad being an alcoholic and my dad being murdered. God, sometimes I still pick up some things that's happened in churches. The Father, forgive me. Father, I also want to thank you for the times that you've led me to go and see someone and forgive them and ask for forgiveness. Father, I want to pray for the rest of the people also that are gathered here because I know we're all human. I know we tend to let emotional clutter build up in our lives. I know we tend to allow roots of bitterness to to be present in our lives instead of us giving continuous applications of grace to help that bitterness go away. Father, I pray you help all of us to learn these principles, these lessons from the life of Stephen today. Father, I pray you continue to deal with our hearts with this thought next Sunday. Lord, right now, by your spirit, search hearts and minds and give people willing hearts and minds to listen as you tell them about somebody they need to forgive.
Or as you tell them about someone that they need to apologize to. Or as you show them the emotional clutter that they need to hand over to you. The anger and the bitterness that they need to surrender to you. Father, I pray you help them to do that in this moment and during this invitation time. Father, if there's someone in this place that doesn't know Christ as Savior, help them to understand that you love them so much you sent your Son to die on the cross. And that Jesus took all of our sin upon Himself. And He paid the full once and for all penalty for our sins. That when we repent of our sin and turn to Him by faith, He promises us eternal life. Father, we give this time to you as we sing this song of invitation. Help us to listen closely. Help us to deal obediently with what you say to us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You would please stand. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.